With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report. First, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You wanted to talk about something in the compliance or compliance-related field but really had no idea how to get started? Take a listen from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this episode, I have back with me fan favorite, James Kukios. James is a partner at Morrison & Forrester. James previously worked in the FCPA unit in the fraud section at the Department of Justice. And he leads a team that puts out a great monthly newsletter entitled The Top 10 International Anti-Corruption Developments. In this episode, the first of a two-part episode, we take a look at international anti-corruption developments, which took place in the month of January 2019. These include former bankers arrested on FCPA charges in the Mozambique two-to-boat scandal, Japan's Olympic chief faces corruption charges in France, two European countries take steps to strengthen anti-corruption efforts, Italy publishes a new bribery destroyer law, and the UK establishes a financial industry task force. Next week, we take a look at the top 10 international anti-corruption developments for the month of February. I know you will find this useful and enjoy it as well. Finally, the FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode and in for a treat today because you not only have fan favorite James Kukios, but you have Tom Fox favorite James Kukios back for a couple of uh, Morrison and Forrester anti-corruption development newsletters first for January 2019 and the second for February 2019. So with a big Go Blue, uh, James, welcome back. Go Blue, Tom. Thanks for the kind words. So uh, let's just uh, hop right into the January. I've highlighted a few that I wanted to raise with you, James. Uh, The first one was, I thought, an incredibly interesting, complicated, and I think it's going to be very far-reaching indictments um, where two former bankers were arrested on FCPA charges in a Mozambique uh, bribery scheme. I was wondering what you might be able to tell us about that, James. Very, very uh, detailed charging document. Uh, agree, it's, uh, it's very complex uh, charges and allegations and probably worth reading about. So um, very interesting. It was actually, as, as I remember, it was actually three former bankers who were arrested in London on charges of conspiracy to violate the both the anti-bribery and internal controls provisions of the FCPA. And they were also charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering, securities fraud, and wire fraud. So as you said, Tom, very wide-ranging, shows how many of the foreign bribery 
type schemes can get wrapped up in a number of different kinds of um, other violations as well, not just bribery violations, but securities fraud, money laundering, wire fraud as well. Um, and then in that action also, DOJ brought money laundering and fraud charges against Mozambique's former finance minister and a senior executive in a, of an Abu Dhabi-based shipbuilding company. So that also continues the trend of DOJ going after foreign officials as well um, when they fi- feel that they have appropriate jurisdiction under the money laundering laws to try to reach both that supply side and demand side of uh, foreign bribery. So in 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 summary, it's, again, it's a very long and, and complicated charging document, but according to the indictment, um, the three bankers conspired to arrange over $2 billion of loans for maritime projects in Mozambique while they were concealing the details of the loans from their, um, from their bank's internal controls. And through this scheme, the defendants are alleged to have diverted more than $200 million of the loans, part of which was used to bribe Mozambique government officials who approved the projects. Um, and so um, I think another very interesting aspect of this case is the fact that DOJ seems to allege that these um, three bankers were actually actively circumventing the um, the bank's internal controls, which led to an internal controls charge uh, charges against the individuals, which is somewhat rare, not um, not unprecedented. But oftentimes uh, against individuals, DOJ will bring just anti-bribery charges. And here they brought both anti-bribery and internal controls charges against the individuals, which may also be a signal of how they view the bank's um, complicity or lack thereof in this type of, um, or at least culpability in in this type of uh, scheme as well. So, James, there were a couple of things, and perhaps one more now that uh, you've given a few remarks on it that uh, I thought were significant about this matter. The first was um, we uh, again see the continue continuation uh, where a government is changed, regime changed, and here democratically elected regime change, um, and the old guys were corrupt, and it's not uh, the new guys bringing the charges, although I have to believe that uh, there was some cooperation. Nevertheless, um, I've counseled a lot of companies that uh, you need to be aware of regime change. You need to uh, scrub your operations as closely as you can if there is or even may be regime change. The second thing is this was not sort of your typical uh, pay a bribe, get a contract. Uh, this was uh, bribe payments to facilitate a bond being floated, and that bond money was going to be used to enrich uh, Mozambique officials. Uh, The stated purpose of the bond was to increase Mozambique's tuna fleet, so I'm sure Charlie the tuna is happy. There are not more boats out there, but it seemed to be, uh, one. once again, I see the DOJ and indeed anti-corruption efforts on a worldwide basis reaching to new areas where uh, people are going to, frankly, steal money from uh, uh, company countries uh, and their people. And then the third point that you raised was, uh, once again, the demand and supply side are well within the targets of the Department of Justice and that they are going when they can after uh, the people who receive the bribes as well. I agree with all your points there, Tom. Um, starting from the top with number one, the regime change, 
completely agree. Um, when I was in the department, I worked on cases where the new administration of a democratically elected country um, would indeed help us build a case against the the old um, regime. Interesting, though, sometimes uh, I, I've seen a, a, a nuance to that happen as well, which is the ruling party may be willing to cooperate with DOJ uh, against the opposition party, which used to be the ruling party, uh, in order to try to drum up political support for the upcoming elections and things like that. So it's a little bit of a delayed um, reaction, if you will, for, for the scenario that you said. But I think the underlying point is it, it does make sense for companies um, doing business abroad to think about how local politics can affect prosecutions, um, both domestically and in terms of the local law enforcement willing being willing to reach out to uh, U.S. authorities to help cooperate in investigations. Whenever there's that kind of political motivation, uh, DOJ might be the beneficiary of that. And then it becomes very difficult for a company or an individual trying to defend itself to try to separate what's just politics versus what is actual evidence. So that's definitely, I completely agree with you, companies doing business in, in kind of places where there's a regime change or very fraught elections um, do need to be a little bit careful about um, what's going on there and pay a lot of attention. Regarding the bond offering, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, we've seen over the last several years, going back, you know, six, seven, eight years, um, where financial services industry has become more and more involved in FCPA investigations. The last um, FCPA investigation I worked on at DOJ involved a Brazilian development bank that was um, trading bonds and things like that. And the allegations were that the defendants were a broker dealer in the United States that paid bonds to make sure that that bank uh, traded bonds through them instead of any other brokerage um, house. So we definitely, whenever there's, um, you know, it used to be mining was big money, petroleum was big money, um, financial deals are big money. And so whenever there's large bond offerings, large trades, things like that, um, there's the potential for possible anti-corruption charges. So, James, next up, we have the uh, the French, uh, of all people. Um, hmm. Perhaps that's not a fair statement anymore, but uh, France is investigating uh, the Japanese Olympics chief for corruption. What did, uh, what did the uh, newsletter have to say about that? Sure. So, in January of 2019, uh, French authorities revealed that they had opened a formal investigation of the president of Japan's Olympic Committee, Tsunakazu Takeda, on charges of corruption. Uh, an investigating judge in France charged Takeda uh, in December of 2018, uh, but he publicly denied the accusations. The suspicions are that Takeda uh, paid bribes to officials of the International Olympic Committee to secure Tokyo's successful bid for the 2020 Summer Olympics. Uh, and this really kind of uh, continues a, a theme for French investigators. Um, I, I take your point. Uh, they don't always, you know, uh, have the reputation of always vigorously um, pursuing foreign bribery charges, but they have been very active in Olympics. Um, for example, they were involved in investigating alleged corruption with um, in the Brazil, the Rio Olympics as well. 
So this does seem to be one area um, of focus on corruption in athletics that French um, authorities are very interested in. Um, next up, we had uh, two European companies that uh, took steps to strengthen some anti-corruption uh, legislation. Uh, what did uh, you guys see in that? Sure. There, so we covered in January 2019 two countries that took steps to strengthen their anti-corruption efforts. Uh, the first was Italy. And this is just great because at least how it's translated, they uh, the law was called the bribe destroyer law, which I can't pronounce in Italian, but reads Spaza Corotti, which just bribe destroyer. I love it. It sounds great. Um, that was a pretty comprehensive law um, that was published on January 9th of 2019. It includes a number of measures that make private and corporate contributions to political parties and foundations more transparent and also aim to combat public sept- uh, sector corruption. In that regard, uh, the law does, among other things, uh, freezes the statute of limitations period once there's been any judicial decision. That was a big issue in Italy because the statute of limitations clock continued to run even after um, charges were filed, a conviction was had, and an appeal uh, was taken, as I understand it. So you could have, in the middle of an appeal, the statute of limitations expire, (laughs) and then the charges go away. So it made um, uh, actually getting final um, decisions very difficult in Italy, as I understand it. Um, in addition, the law increased sanctions for individuals and corporations, permanently prohibits those found guilty of corruption and sentenced to more than two years imprisonment from holding public office or contracting with the government. Uh, important from an OECD standpoint, it broadens the definition of foreign public official to include members of international organizations, individuals at a public international organization, judges and officers of international courts and members of international parliamentary assemblies. So that should um, bring the Italian law more in line with the OECD anti-bribery convention. Uh, Provides benefits for voluntary disclosures by individuals, uh, which we've seen obviously um, make a big difference around the world in terms of uh, cooperators and people coming forward with information. Uh, Introduces a new crime of undue trading of influence and provides a benefit for corporate cooperation, which again could be huge for um, bringing forward cases in Italy um, of corruption and things like that. So, um, in many ways, although I'm sure there's very important differences, in, in many ways, this bribe destroy law seems to bring Italian practice a little bit more in line with the US, uh, UK, and other countries' um, practices that have been very effective in fighting foreign bribery. The other uh, item that we covered in this regard is that the United Kingdom established um, a financial industry task force in January of 2019. The goal of that task force is to crack down on fraud and corruption in the financial industry. The task force will be led by what they call the Economic Crime Strategic Board. And the members of that board will include the chief executives of several major banks, and it will be chaired by the Interior Minister and Finance Minister of the UK. And in particular, uh, according to reports, the UK officials are particularly focused on money from Russia, Nigeria, Asia, and the former Soviet states. Um, There's been a lot of talk over the last 
um, few years that London has become a real attractive uh, location for kleptocracy money and other kind of illicit funds uh, focused much on Russia. But as this uh, announcement and development um, shows, not just Russia, but former Soviet states, some African countries and other parts of Asia. Um, so, again, it, it just uh, both of these events go to a, a trend that we've obviously seen over the last 10 years of countries around the world taking a more aggressive stance towards fighting corruption and foreign bribery. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed James Kukio speaking on the Morrison and Forster Top 10 International Anti-Corruption Developments for the month of January 2019. I hope you will join us again next week where James follows up by talking about the Top 10 International Anti-Corruption Developments for the month of February as articulated in the Morrison and Forster Report. Also, as a special bonus next week, James talks about the opinion release procedure, how a company can use it, use it, and what happens when a request comes in the Department of Justice and how it's handled going forward. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.